Hey everyone, welcome back to the Apollo Community Cast. I hope our viewers are having a productive and positive day. Without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hello, welcome everyone to the inaugural, the first, the premiere episode of State of the Scene. This is State of the Scene 1, and basically what we're doing here is we're going to lay out exactly what's going on in our worlds. Whether it's computer science, whether it's the world of art, whether it's the world of authoring, financial literacy. We're going to lay out exactly what we're thinking right now, what's on our plates, and just everything that's going on. And how you doing, Josh? I'm doing really well, man. I'm uh, always happy to be, you know, in these environments where, you know, uh, there's interesting conversation ahead of us. And I'm just excited to get into it. Yeah, without a doubt. I've just been fascinated about how underrated podcasts are in general because let's i mean we're always on video call whether it's with a friend whether it's with family and to take advantage of that and to just kind of sit down and have a conversation i think that's incredibly underrated it's it's the perfect medium for a time that we live in right now where you know we live in the attention economy we are witnessing the attention economy take hold and in large scale but when if we're already spending so much attention uh with these digital realms right in front of us at all times, we may as well uh, have an educational uh, format that is uh, is highly popular. And that's what I feel like podcasts really are. So. Without, yeah, without a doubt. It's like we have the tools right in front of us, so why aren't we using them, right? Precisely. Yeah, it's incredible. So what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about just what's been going on in the past six months and what we're kind of seeing in the, in the next six months. We're, we're even going to recap, you know, the past year. Uh, Apollo did start about six or seven months ago, so we're still in that span of time, but Bridge the Gap has been going on for much, much longer. I believe well over a year now, is that right? Uh, yeah, man, we're approaching a year and a half. Uh, when I was 18, we started it, uh, really just wanted to bring community together in meaningful ways, uh, to a degree. It's honestly took on a life of its own, and, you know, just really always constantly excited to... Uh, deliver something new to the community, deliver, you know, something special to the kids. Yeah, uh, for sure. Really, really happy doing the, the work, for sure. See, what was fascinating for me is a kind of similarity that I've seen for both of us is, I'd say in the initial origins of both of our projects, let's say a year ago when you, you were organizing the first march and kind of just sitting down and kind of having those first those first little bits of ideas of what Bridge the Gap meant to you. And you just kind of executed. You said, we're going to put this together. I'm going to go straight to the municipality, my local, and you're going to go straight. And then you're just going to straight up set up that event. And you set up the event. You got people together. You networked on social media. You got everyone gathered and you had the event. And I believe that that was of course it was. It was the initial spark that really kind of exploded far after that and took on a life of its own. Uh, how did you feel whenever you were first starting it? Did you did you truly have a sense of, of how big this was going to get? Or were you just kind of just making the smallest impact in, in every which way you can? Yeah, so I'd say definitely around I mean, the, the general conception of, of the whole it was it was really I was looking around I was doing uh, a lot of the protests I was you know already starting to get involved in the whole social activism front but it was something that I just noticed going to many of these and seeing the sentiments and, and what people really 
you know, really thought of what everything that was going down in the country at the moment, really thought of in terms of, you know, people were really having to really look themselves in the mirror and decide, like, how they want to uh, really work, uh, be involved in their community uh, and how they can do more for their community. And a lot of people just didn't really know where to start in terms of actually, like, you know, uh, places that are, uh, you know, either programs or different places that were facilitating these kind of things. So I understood that. I saw that. And I, I thought, well, you know, why not? Why not start it? Why not? Why not create that? that why not try to facilitate these meaningful experiences for the community, by the community? You know, me being a, you know, a member of the community and somebody that really cares for honestly, these moments that, that, that kind of thought provoking moments where, you know, it, it, it allows for different neighbors that honestly live, you know, down the same street, don't talk really ever. But, you know, we saw during COVID, during the pandemic, that's when community really started to show up because that's all you really had. Like, you know, no, everyone wasn't just in the streets and out, out here, um, you know, going to actual in-person venues and events we had to stay kind of uh local and on our streets and that's when i saw a community so i kind of just want to bring in a community in various ways you know we don't be doing our shows off the mic uh the coding carnivals in particular as a computer science uh student myself uh, a, a passionate student for many years now i got into it when i was 12 uh it's this is my way of you know, kind of a love letter to the community, but see where it where it's gone in this this last year and a half. I didn't I didn't quite anticipate this, no. But I'm, you know, fueled by the, you know, the milestones that we have been able to to hit, and I'm excited to just continue to deliver more uh, to the community because, you know, that that's the, that's the point. That's the purpose. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. And kind of what I've seen with this kind of activism scene as a whole, and I'm just being completely honest here, what I've seen people do is they like to post a lot, but I don't see many boots on the ground. Uh, they like to post a lot, but I don't see many impact that they're actually truly making. They like to talk a lot, but I don't see them actually serving their community. And I think that for sure, you know, some are kind of just, some are kind of just comfortable, you know, posting and feeling that that's all they need to do to quote unquote raise awareness. But I think there are some other people who also don't know how to get involved or are hesitant because they don't want to come off in the wrong way. And I think that creating these institutions like Bridge, like Apollo, it gives you that medium that you can hop in. You can hop in with something that you're familiar with. And once you're familiar with that, you can get a foot in the door and really you can see the impact that you can make in your local community. And so with that being said, after the march, in between that and March of 2021, when we really kind of got together and started talking, what was what was on your mind in between, like all through that fall, all through that winter, and then getting into that that next year of spring? Man, um, so honestly, um, the world went through uh, quite a 
not to say catastrophic, well, I mean, to a degree, a catastrophic change. I mean, the world changed entirely. And for two months, we were all inside and we're just thinking, you know, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what everyone per se was thinking about and what they were aspiring to do, but I really took that time to um, assess how I could do more, you know, because every, you're right in, in the sense that what you were last um, talking about, discussing in that last thought was that there's a lot of people that will, you know, uh, want to do more, they will want to, you know, uh, post and not, not to even say virtue signal, but to, you know, put on this, put on this activism hat at a given time and not necessarily live it to a degree. Um, I really was, was wanting to live it and, and, you know, not just put on that hat afterwards. Um, but that for, I'd say definitely out of pandemic and throughout the rest of the year going into March, especially when, you know, I was, I had already put on the first art show, but just knowing that um, while I love computers and I do love art to a degree, I saw your vision and that you are an artist yourself and that you are um, intrigued and in love with art in the same, to a degree that how I feel about computers. And it's, it was pivotal, pivotal that we continued our conversations to the point where, you know, now we directly uh, collaborate as Apollo is, you know, entwined as our art department, our art uh, avenue in Bridge the Gap because what it boils down to is, uh, you know, me spending all that the last year thinking about community and how we, how we can bring community together. It was pivotal to have, you know, this, this art expression platform in Bridge the Gap uh, by someone that, you know, truly has a passion. And I, not to say that I don't, but just I've seen, you know, what you're willing to do and, and your drive directly for art. And that was something that is important when I'm wanting to bring these events to the community. I really need, uh, hope for everyone to, to feel the passion that's put into every event. And, you know, that's particular, particularly what we wanted to do with the Apollo and art. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I would say that I would say the art never sleeps without a doubt. I would say that the writings never sleep either. You know, I'm up until two, three, four a.m. sometime rereading these things to make sure that they're because I don't want to blip, you know, but when whenever you're you're writing something, you got to make it into the concrete. You know, you can't kind of slide your way through writing because when someone reads it, it's either it's smooth or it's not. It's either meaningful or it's not and it either has substance or it doesn't. And if people don't even try to write in the first place, then they won't find the substance. And But to go back on a, on a point you made with people way back, you, you said you don't want to go as far to say virtue signaling. But, I mean, I think I would because, you know, I think we can judge it by actions. They talk a lot, but there's no real action in the community around them. They talk a lot, but there's no real action that they're making. And, you know, just giving someone some money on Cash App doesn't really count in my opinion. I think that they need to actually get on the streets, get their boots on the ground, and really get involved in these communities, or else it is just virtual signaling, you know? So, that's... Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, to a degree, yeah. without a doubt. Like, without a doubt. I want, like, it's it's really been a theme, because I've seen, you know, some of those same people that uh, I would have perceived as virtual signalers uh, beforehand actually come out to my events, you know, to the Bridge the Gap events, and then, you know, uh, find, find that they actually really 
do enjoy doing more, wanting to continue to do more. And so uh, that is one thing I've definitely noticed that, you know, uh, it's really, it's really a matter of cultivating experiences that, you know, are not only beautiful, but memorable and, 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 and really allow for people to continue to want to go to these uh, either socially aware, uh, you know, uh, thought provoking and engaging, like community engaging uh, nights and events because, uh, you know, you it, it, it's not extremely hard to go from virtual signaling to actually, you know, uh, doing more in your community. And it's just a matter of getting out, you know, getting your actual boots on the ground and doing more. And so we try to formulate the events to allow people to start that action of doing more. Oh, without uh, a doubt, yes. And typically as we continue to grow, those repeat people, you know, at that point, we see that this is, that this is much more than just virtual signaling. This is actual dedication to your community and dedication to uh, seeing what comes out of uh, out of our community uh, because of the day. Yeah, without a doubt, man. I think I think there's three ways we can really judge it, right? You have the intent, and the intent can be seen through you know communication on social media. Maybe some people that you know may get called virtue signalers. They have good intentions, and then we cross over from intention to actual trying action, you know, and and to make that action to try and make a result. And then at the end of the day, we have impact, the, the final impact or the outcome that most people would say. And I think that we struggle too much on either side. We struggle on the intent and then we struggle on the outcome. But as long as we get people in the middle who have intent and are, are, are at least trying, then the outcome will at least take care of itself. I agree with that 100%. So we have we have so many private conversations, uh, you and I, and you know something that I've never shied away from was that at the end of like the impact is first priority. Impact, uh, you know that, and to a degree, it is integral to become a nonprofit and, and be incorporated that way. Uh, you know, uh, there is a lot of there is a, a lot of, of of ways to go about um, running something like this that, you know, malicious intent could come into play. And that's something like integrity means so much to me when we're, when we're talking about delivering real impact and attempting to really, you know, show, put people on, show people a different way, uh, really be that inflection point in lives uh, for the youth or for, um, you know, uh, the open mic that night, you were with, you were there with me, uh, filming the entire time, uh, and you actually went on and, and, and went on stage, went, on, went in front of the entire community and performed your own uh, writing, and you performed your own, uh, you know, uh, stories, poet, not necessarily poetry, but just stories, and and, and had a great, a great. Uh, applause from the guests, you know, from the audience. Um, and I know that night meant something to you, meant something to everyone that performed there. There was a lot of testimonies. In particular, uh, you know, there was a man that played piano, and he was really, really awesome. And 
came up to me and they ended up doing like what he says to be uh you know if you remember he, he, he there was he was talking about some sensitive subjects uh right before playing talking about um you know when it ended his life at one point which was definitely sad to hear and you know he played with so much emotion and vigor like you just you know you just felt for him you know uh, you felt that his love for music genuinely is what's you know kept him alive and you know at the end of the night he tells me that you know to come in and, and showcase his music to the community that you know he's lived in and that he does love and uh you know what that brought to him that night was he told me that you know he couldn't even put it in words like what that meant and it's moments like that because he was impacted in a very meaningful way i believe and you know, his wife and, and all the community. He got a standing standing ovation, really. Uh, everyone in the crowd, you know, really appreciated him showcase himself like that and be open about his true emotions. Uh, you know, a room full of people that he really, honestly probably had not known uh, more than a few people before that, but over the span of that hour uh, and a half, and honestly, we all grew closer to each other. We learned a bit about each other. Uh, that to me is what is so meaningful. I mean, to have you go on stage, and you know, I know uh, at at that at that time you had not you know done too much crazy public speaking. Uh, much later, you went on to do the NBC, so you you got a you got more experience. But I'd say like definitely that was a uh, something big for me to see that you go you went up there performed it. Uh, really. It, it, it looked as if there was no discomfort, there was no nervousness at all, but, you know, that was impact. Again, we, we go to impact, like, to, for me to see that that was big, and for, you know, all the audience, they appreciated you going up there, you know, uh, a lot of different uh, avenues of, of impact, honestly, take place, and, uh, you know, that's that's what we do it for, and that's, that's what I want to invite people to continue to come out for. Man, I, I could not agree more. I actually had a conversation with him after, and I talked with him, and I shared the info that I was a bass player, and and he really liked that, you know, it was it was a connection after we were able to talk a bunch and kind of just kind of share, you know, and and there's this kind of idea of the flinch, and the idea of the flinch is like before you jump in a cold shower, uh, before you jump on stage to speak, uh, before you walk in that interview room, there's that one moment where you either turn back or you make it and go it in so it's kind of like you just got to commit you know and I was incredibly nervous I was incredibly nervous to jump on stage and give number one an extremely heartfelt speech to someone who in the past was actually suicidal um, and that was kind of the entire inspiration for it because at the end it's talking about taking it day by day because that's all you can really do and then after that I gave a separate uh, writing piece that it was a lot more public it was it was on a social media page but that one was really about people facing their fears and the regret and the tragedies of life are what make sure you don't step in the same hole twice and you get your bearings and you re rise up like a phoenix and basically become reborn and so i was talking about the the chinese symbol of the phoenix the fong wong and i was just talking a bunch of that and it was absolutely incredible and i think biggest thing about these events is like you said people walk in they maybe not even you know i could not recognize more than 50 percent of the people in the room i did recognize a bit of people from my community but overall 
because as you as you grow older you definitely you know you know more people you you recognize more faces so i definitely recognize a lot of people but it was still a room of strangers more or less because i hadn't really talked to them on a deeper level and because of that you know everyone in that room who performed they walk in there most likely not knowing 70% of that room but they walk in having a greater sense of community having a greater sense of family within their community and overall sense of connection and i think that's that's really what we're doing here especially especially at a at with art and everything because art is an expression of your individual personal experience and that subjective is laid out for everyone to see in the visual medium and it's incredibly powerful and even just go back a little bit you know we're talking integrity we're talking honesty most importantly we're talking impact when people leave and when people walk away and i think overall there we're really just talking about reputation what you know the impact that we're making and what people think of the work because if people see the work that we're doing and for, forget all that forget all the bs translations yeah. that people say of activism and stuff if they judge us specifically for what we're doing over here then they see that it's no there's no smoke and mirrors we're just being honest and we want to have an impact and we're going to continue to have an impact i couldn't say that better myself i mean there's um you know in this work of course you to a degree we, we are putting on events for the public and we are open and up for public scrutiny at any time you know something beautiful is that i you know through the grapevine haven't heard much public scrutiny at all i mean honestly because the work that we do you can tell that there's honestly uh, a passion and, and and honestly love put into every single environment that we inhabit you know it's really you know bridge the gap like the sentiments we there's no reason for us to even talk about you know controversial polarizing topics we just want to you know bring real uh you know we can provoke thought without giving negative uh you know connotations to anything and that that bridge the gap you know there's typically never any any negative connotation or, or scrutiny being you know discussed um it, it's, it's truly about you know good times every i want every event to be a really great time for right every yeah. yeah man i totally agree and i think it's because we just we we don't treat people based on their identity we accept them for who they are and whenever someone walks in that room if anyone gets harassed for who they are that, that we ain't gonna stand for it you know what i mean and and at the end of the day we cut through we cut through all the bullshit. you know people have people have been imitations and they have their certain perspectives of what they think this work is and sure maybe for some institutions and other institutions they're not doing the exact same thing we are but when you judge us specifically we're not going to stand for any hostile environments for anyone. We are going to elevate people's work. We're going to give people a platform. We are going to continue to make an impact. And we cut straight through all that BS and we just put the boots on the ground. And I think that I think that that's what some people are really missing. You know, they like to talk a lot and they like to, you know, just go back and forth so much. But how about we just keep putting the boots on the ground, you know, and get, get more boots on the ground. And that is precisely what's taking hold uh every day behind the scenes i mean you know we're putting you and i the rest of the team as well i mean even at, at field of future it's 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 honestly diligent work we put in like there's no there's no time for child's play because this is 
you know, what, what's being assembled, what's being put in, in, in preparation quite consistently and constantly. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's very serious to everyone involved. And that's what we honestly want to showcase or we wanted to be implied with everything that we do, that this is just, you know, uh, top of mind and, and, and deeply uh, and thoughtfully crafted every time. So much, man. Awesome. I so I, I think I think we that can be our intro. That was a a little a bit longer than I was expecting, but I think we we really covered what we're trying to. This is the first state of the scene, so we got to talk about the state of the scene, and that definitely includes the past two years, you know. For sure. All right. So I think I'm gonna jump into my first first few questions for you, and then you can you can answer as little or as much as you want on these, and gonna go right into it you ready i'm ready all right let's go on it so talking on bridge the gap what has been your biggest takeaway over this past summer or this year as a whole okay okay uh i mean honestly it's <laughs> the last year and a half has really been a crash course in both networking um social work um business management to a degree not necessarily, you know, not in terms of, you know, uh, financial numbers and whatnot, you know, uh, that I don't, you know, I don't focus on that per se, but the whole managing and getting in partnerships and, and getting different venues and, and managing uh, kind of what not only our uh, platform looks like through all the digital channels, but uh you know, reputation as in, in, in the community, you know, that I've definitely learned quite a bit. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm doing a double major at this moment. <laughs> no, but I, it is something that I love and, you know, uh, I'm passionate about. So I'm going to continue to to grow, uh, grow in my knowledge in it and continue to take, take away great uh, tidbits of knowledge. But in the last year in particular, I can go... I can confidently say it's probably been it's probably been the biggest you know lesson uh, has been in, in networking man like you know uh, when you really think of it at every bridge the gap um, event networking is at every level uh, taking place like uh, not only to you know, we bring in different sponsors and different uh, community programs built into ours at a given night. It's like, okay, at that point, you got a bunch of small business owners getting to talk to each other and, and maybe go from there for a partner. But then we have the community that serves as guests that all meet each other. Um, you know, I'm meeting everyone, you know, in between. You're meeting everyone in between and, and all that goes down when you bring a room full of people together networking is 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 you know precisely the point um but behind the scenes that in terms of networking uh it's essential and and to you know not only the growth of of the impact that we want to deliver you know getting these different partnerships getting these different sponsors getting these different um you know meetings uh with people that start to really care for what we're doing and really want to help us grow and allow exposure to get to the right people. Uh, 
there's definitely been uh, a lot of that, and I say I say most certainly networking is, you know, the biggest takeaway uh, from the last year. Honestly, I honestly knew you were gonna say that because networking, it, it's just been obvious from behind the scenes that you always gotta connect with someone, and these communities, and these events provide inherent networking opportunities. So I totally agree with that. I think that was a tremendous answer. And so we're gonna jump into the second one. How'd the first coding carnival go? Were you able to get the turnout you were hoping for? But if not, was the engagement at least there for the people who did show up? Yeah, so the thing about uh, the coding carnival is the, you know, the mission of it all is truly uh, what I, you know, when I was 14 years old and I had been coding already for a little bit, getting, you know, engrossed in, 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 with the culture, getting engrossed with, you know, the actual skill set. Um, I, I didn't have uh, an, an extreme amount of, you know, friends that were also doing this with me. So, you know, so I definitely say I, I attributed to when I was 14 years old. Yeah, I, I honestly genuinely wanted to do something like this because at that point, you know, you're growing. Uh, you know, your own knowledge base uh, with your friends. And, and at that point, you know, it's something that everyone can get better together. And then you guys get to work on projects together. And, and, you know, when you're dealing with coding, like you get to build the future potentially at all times. So uh, it's beautiful to me. And so that the mission that stemmed uh, from that 14-year-old mindset and now, you know, where we are, where Bridge the Gap gets to actually curate these events and, uh, you know, um, directly put on what I, kind of my dream. This is, you know, uh, the turnout in regard to that is, you know, I understand that day by day we are uh, continuing to grow, continue to expo uh, expose our message to new parents that will bring. Um, so the turnout, of course, was great to me because, uh, you know, at any rate, like if there's even one kid in the room, that is a great turnout because this is again my dream since I was 14 to you know be able to you know inhabit uh, you know facilitate these type of these type of interactions where we're talking about not only my passions where I'm trying to instill in the kids a, a tool set a skill set that really is essential at this time if if you you know if we if we think where which industry is prime for, you know, when we go into the next 20, 30 years, which, which legacy is going to stand out now and stand out then and probably stand out for the rest of, you know, honestly, time, <laughs> computers. Uh, I think everyone's going to have to eventually learn computers and it's, it's definitely essential now that we teach the youth, uh, uh, something that I think is an ad advantage over those that don't you know, know it, especially in regards to, you know, we're teaching a 12-year-old, we're teaching an 8-year-old, like, these are I, you, you're nothing less than an advantage. Uh, so, in terms of definitely uh, turnout, I'm always happy with anybody who comes in, because this, again, this is my dream. I look forward to, you know, this is something that we do is gonna grow uh, as we continue to push as we continue to put on new coding carnivals so we're six days away from the next coding carnival and i'm you know blessed and excited <laughs> to see what the turnout's going to look like this time you know uh, 
it, it could be less, it could be more. Uh, I, I'm going to be happy to just, you know, deliver this, 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 this dream of mine. Hell yeah. I totally agree. I think what you were saying in the beginning of this being your dream, that one is always better than zero. You know, even if I get one like on, on an Apollo post, you know, one is better than zero. As long as I know that at least one person connected with that post enough to engage with it in the same way that at least one person or parent connected with the Coding Carnival at least enough to show up and, and engage with it, then I think that's just, it, it goes so far for us. Oh, 110%. Yeah, and even as you said when you were about 14, that was really the seed that grew into today. And I totally totally sympathize with that because when I was a kid I had I'm not going to say who but I had people around me more one person more than others telling me that you cannot be an artist and be successful telling me that the you know the starving artist trope and there is some truth in that but with the revolution we're seeing now then I just I have to I have to get my feet wet you know I gotta join in the fire and join the dance so jump in the fire and join the dance really because I just want to put people on and give them the dream that I, I couldn't necessarily fulfill early early on you know and I was discouraged from it I think that we share a lot with that because you you really just want to encourage people and show them what they're capable of in this computer science entire scene and just really get involved man exactly <laughs> exactly so yeah, that's it's incredibly personal to me, you know, the the kind of early impacts that that grow into what you can do today and kind of give people the opportunity you didn't have. I think that I think that even a lot of parents see that giving their kids the opportunities which they did not have, and I think that there's there's a lot of uh, parallels between that as we see in everyday life. So I think we're gonna jump to the next question. This is gonna be our third question. What are you most excited for in the coming months? So this is now we're thinking future. So uh, let's keep it short. In the next six months, what are you what are you most excited for? Okay. Um, short term, in the next you know coming months, definitely uh, continuing the coding carnivals, continuing to see where that reach goes, continuing to see who you know who else we can impact. You know that that, that really does drive me, fuel me. Um, we are. We are uh, working to get uh, bridge, bridge the gaps. You know, course inside of Detroit public schools. You know, I've been meeting with them, uh, meeting with multiple connections in, in Detroit, uh, which is my hometown, uh, for for the last couple months, and, and you know, really just hit hit and, and gear uh, this past week with the last meeting. So I'm you know super confident about getting inside of Detroit in a meaningful way. You know, and, and, and to a degree, the same way that we impacted, you know, this part of DFW. So, most certainly excited about that. And then, uh, at the, towards the end of that six month period, um, this is this has not been released publicly yet. This will be the first time, but uh, we are going to be uh, curating uh, alongside with a panel of of uh, really influential. Uh, leaders here in this part of DFW, like uh, we are going to be working on the Black History Month experiences, which you know is is means a lot, you know, to me uh, because moving specifically to McKinney um, at a younger age and, and 
you know, you know, seeing kind of the Black History Month experiences and, and wanting to get my own input, you know, it, it really did not occur to me that, you know, it would happen. And so now uh, actually being able to be one of the curators of Black History Month in my city, like that's, you know, in the city I reside in, I mean, this is, that's really awesome. So I, I'm really excited about that. Uh, and for the next coming months, I'll be, you know, working on that diligently with several other community leaders. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah, that's going to be tremendous. I think in Black History Month, maybe we can see if we can uh, curate some good pieces for that as well. Precisely. The, uh, <laughs> you see what I'm see what I'm getting at? No, for sure, for sure. Um, a little small plug, uh, community community crossroads announcements coming soon. Yes, sir. We're gonna give a little sneak peek on that. Hopefully, in the, the coming month or two. So, <laughs> definitely. And I wanted to speak. So you mentioned Detroit a bit, and that is your hometown. And I think there's something really meaningful and special. This has been portrayed through mythology so many times. Um, because I, I'm really obsessed with mythology and I love seeing the experiences of the past and the lessons that we've learned from the past kind of get immortalized within literature, within text, within different mythological ideas and everything. And there's something really meaningful about going to the place that you were as a kid and kind of putting that place on and elevating it to a whole different level than what you, you knew it to be. And that's been something that has been absolutely vital to kind of the individual's role, like kind of the hero's role throughout all of all of human experience. It's, it's come up so many times. And so for you, for you specifically, going back to Detroit and having the opportunity to elevate it and having the opportunity to put kids on in the computer science scene specifically, um, how much can you kind of talk about how much that means to you? It, you know, it really means, um, it means more than I could, I really, you know, can even put in words, you know, sometimes, because my parents, you know, uh, really set my, my siblings and I up for a life that, a life that was much more privileged than any of my, uh, friends back home at the time that we left, you know, like, and, 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 and it has never been lost on me, you know, what my parents, you know, really set us up for, but also they, you know, leaving all of our, you know, we left for the most part, all of my, all of my family lives in Detroit and has continued to live in Detroit. Uh, some have moved off, but, you know, at that time, my parents were just like, you know, this is not the environment that is best for our kids in regard to where, you know, they, what their lives could potentially be in, 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 you know, an environment like McKinney, Texas, which that, you know, that year we moved here, I think we got rated like best place to live in America or something like that. I do remember you know? that. <laughs> yeah. So it, 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 it's, you know, it's extremely important for me to, you know, a love letter to that, that city being, you know, trying to come in and, and bring this computer literacy course that, again, is essential. Like, a lot of those kids don't even, they really, a 
what could probably be insanely good at coding and just won't that you know you have to think we just won't get that inflection point where someone shows them that wow it's actually much easier than you would anticipate oh let me let you know let me let me let you be really good at this and maybe go get a full ride scholarship or or go you know make something incredible that the world has never seen before they don't even you know a lot of times have that opportunity so this is it's extremely important for me to try to offer that uh in, in any way that i can and i'm going to continue to uh live for probably the rest of my life you know at, at 20 now i'd say i am i am i am more driven to do this than anything uh i i Without a doubt, man, that's that's absolutely tremendous. So, so what I'm really getting from that is that because of the opportunities that you were given, and you were able to kind of the 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 status you were able to to attain from having being in a much more sheltered environment, it's either use that and use that opportunity to go back and uplift the other places, or else it's kind of just like, what are we doing, right? No, I, I mean, uh, 100%, like, and it was something that, you know, I, I didn't just want to, just want to be, you know, not doing, not doing more, you know, it, it, a lot of times it boils down to, you know, understanding that if I have the opportunity to do more, I must do more, because otherwise, what am I doing? Agreed. All right. So, we're going to go into the fourth question now. So, what, what's one thing you wish the entire computer science community should know about bridge the gap if you could have have a direct message to every single person then the entire community the entire scene of computer science what's your what's your true mission statement my mission statement is that today the computer scientists are the rock stars the computer scientists are the wizards you know the computer Computers allow us to innovate on a scale that we've never seen before. And I think that it is extremely important and pivotal in the rest of what civilization is going to look like that we get as many people on this wavelength. Uh, we, we, you know, we show them the magic. You know, we allow them to become wizards in their own right. You know, you get to quite literally think of, you know, have a vision. And, you know, have this dream that you want to bring to life, code it to life and allow millions of people in an instant to access it in real time. I mean, we live in a great time and and computers really do run the world. And they it's not like that's going to decrease. I mean, it's it's only increasing, honestly, at a very fast rate. And I just don't want anyone to get left behind. I I. I, I, I I really don't want anyone to get left behind. I, w I want everyone to be in the know, informed on this this, this time that we live in and this pivotal that everyone joins in. And that's how I feel. But that is what I know to be true. <laughs> like, genuinely. Uh, so, what I want for all other computer science, you know, people, all these wizards and all these rock stars in their own right, to be loud and be proud. Um, share this passion, share uh, the tool set, the skill set with your family, with your friends, with whoever you can put on. Because honestly, 
if we go another 10 years and you don't know how to code, you will be left in the dust. <laughs> Without a doubt. It's kind of like either ride the wave or be real surprised when it comes crashing over the world. Precisely. All right. So we're going to move into our fifth and final question. And after that, we're going to switch it over to Josh and he's going to take on the, the hosting. So here's your chance to talk directly to the parents listening. What should parents in the modern day know? What opportunities are lurking right under our noses that they need more attention? Yeah, um, so I found it very interesting in the very first, uh, um, back in, I guess it was September 4th, um, we had a Cody Carnival and one of the young girls, she, she, she was, I believe, 13. And she says she she went to a charter school and they I asked all the students when they walked in, um, you know, who has experienced coding before or who has seen a coding carnival or a coding course or coding program um, in their schools. So there was a subset of kids that definitely said none of us have, you know, we aren't doing that. And that was, you know, they were all public publicly educated kids, you know, um, and, you know, at that, in their specific age range, they just, that, that doesn't, that just doesn't exist, you know, or for, for these kids, they just didn't believe it existed. However, you know, there was, a, she was so smart, um, awesome, awesome young girl, but, you know, at 13, she said probably 90% of the kids at her charter school had already been informed and had already started, you know, getting to know, getting you know, engrossed in the in, in, in the world of computer science. And I thought that was extremely, extremely telling as to the state. Like we understand that the charter schools and, the, and you know, and the pay for play education systems are for sure gonna be teaching these things, gonna be teaching, you know, essential and must know info. But uh, when we look at the public education system, um, most high schools don't, you know, don't deliver this, and I say that because, you know, uh, there's actual metrics that were recorded uh, for the year 2020 that only 49% of high schools actually have any program after school or based inside of the actual class, you know, inside of regular curriculum hours. That's abysmal. Uh, and, you know, however, 90% of parents, uh, based on the same survey, actually want their kids in computer uh, programs and in different courses. However, we also think of the barrier of entry of price. Well, this was you know, this; these were those gaps that you know want I want to you know bridge. Being we don't charge and we aren't uh, we appeal to not just the charter school kids that you know already have a little bit of experience, but you know we want the new uh, coders that have no experience yet, but want to be you know want to be involved and go to public schools. So haven't even really got any semblance of what goes down in coding uh we want to be that that uh that inflection point and that facilitator of something very special because it truly is very special i i could not agree more it's really about raising raising that awareness because under 50 percent that that's absolutely abysmal especially with the amount of underrated attention and the, the pure foundation which computer science holds in our current day-to-day -day lives. Like, my God. 
That's incredible. It's puzzling. It's a puzzling, um, you know, um, metric just because, you know, this has not been a necessarily slow transition from a world that, you know, was in 3G to a world that is now in 5G. You know, this is, it's been, it's just been taking hold for 15 years and it, 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 it honestly is puzzling that it's, that, that number is now bigger, but, uh, I think we can continue to work towards increasing that number and, 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 you know, right now, day by day, but eventually by leaps and bounds, we will get that number, uh, incredibly higher. So, uh, just happy about it. Yeah, man. I'm really excited to see what, what comes next with our partnership and everything. Of course. All right. I'm, gonna pass this over to you. I'm excited because I get to ask you some questions. I get to learn more about. Apollo, I get to learn more about Mike himself, uh, who I've actually known for about a decade now, so it's pretty awesome. God, that's insane. Yeah, it goes way back middle school. It's <laughs> it, it, It's been clear. This man's been in computer science from the start. Like, he, he, he was that kid, but he was the kid who was in both crowds, so that's, that's to be noted. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, here we go. I'm about, to, I'm about to learn some things about you, my man. Um, so, you know, for a lot of this, I've been behind the scenes and I've been honestly humble getting to watch the growth of Apollo, uh, you know, and also in a lot of ways, uh, always, you know, be uh, a soundboard, talking board, back and forth, you know, you begin to discuss the plans and I discuss the plans. And, you know, we just uh, chop it up really uh, on things that we're passionate about. Um, as the growth has continually increased, what has been the biggest lesson learned in engaging with your audience and to a degree finding ways to cater to them? That's really interesting. I think I think the biggest mission of, of us, of Apollo, is engaging with the audience because we want to build that community because at the end of the day, every single new person in this community is a new perspective on a piece. We need as many perspectives on each individual art piece as we can because people, people really interpret things differently. So... On that note, though, it's really been it's been about focusing on what people respond to most. And so as I'm watching it scale up, I see these kind of examples where a new person finds the page. They'll like they'll like two to five posts and then they'll follow or they'll like two to five posts and they won't follow regardless. So what I'm looking at are the pieces that they're engaging with, what that one person is engaging with. So. I see, I see people that have cyberpunk preferences, and then I see people that have more nature preferences. I see people that have kind of the, the horror and kind of the dark, dark fantasy type of um, preferences of art, and I see people who like the abstract geometry and the kind of black and white, and, and so there's, there's an incredible mix. I think the biggest thing for that has been finding as many new pieces as possible and I have to throw my own preference out the window most times because the whole point is I need to if this is a true community I need to cater to as many people as possible so what I'm doing is I'm pushing the bounds of of the styles which I which I really like and I'm trying to also give those showcases because 
at the end of the day, I have to put out my subjective interpretation and really just give the art for what it is. And and as we get on some more writers, I think that'll be even better because they'll be able to add their own perspectives on these pieces because I'm the only one writing at the moment, so that has to be noted. So once we get some more once we get some more dedicated writers in, they can introduce their own curated pieces from our curators or curated themselves, and then they can really provide their aspect. So I think it's about expanding the team, but also pushing my boundaries, since I'm the only one writing right now, to get as many diverse pieces and styles as possible within the art medium. 100%. I understand that, though. On the flip side of that question, you know, for me, being behind the scenes again to watch you scale up a pot in terms of community side and versatility of pieces um, has been, you know, again, humbling. Um, but what has been the one hardship or really more so like struggle that you've experienced after delivering five plus pieces a week for the entire year? I mean, I know you, you said you started in March, but really I, you know, back in January, I feel like I was seeing these, pop, these pieces pop up. So like the whole year, like really, you know, we made it to we're days away from October. I mean, you've your page is now at what uh damn near two hundred pieces. Uh, what has that been like? Uh, so I think I think the hardest thing, personally, has been uh, time management because I underestimate how much I have to say on some of these pieces. So that's what I was saying earlier. How I'm staying up until fucking four a.m. sometimes. Excuse me for that, but you know what I mean? It's like I'm up until 4 a.m. because I realize I realize that, that I'm posting tomorrow and I have more to say on the piece and I don't want to lose what I have to say on that piece, so I got to write it down now type of thing. And you write it down now and then you get an idea on top of that because your idea before that was foundational to your next opinion on the piece. So then you you really just develop you develop the writing as much as you can and that's how I've that's how I've kind of developed that and kind of gotten in the pace to be able to do that so often because I'm writing. I'm really, I, I don't believe I'm critiquing art. I don't believe I'm, I'm, an, I'm a critic. I think, I think I'm documenting art and saying what's in front of me. I am saying what's coming from my perspective, so that has to be noted. But as more people come in the community, hopefully I can get some more perspectives on these pieces. So I always encourage comments and everything. So it's really been... It's really been the time management to be able to write so much, so I end up underestimating that and staying up a lot later than I than I anticipated, and because now I've grown to about, well, we're talking six to eight paragraphs per piece. I I max out the Instagram one every single time, so that's pretty annoying. So I hope to switch to a website and have the full length pieces that I have everything to say. But at the moment, it's been the time constraint, and also the, the really the character limit to be honest. I get that. I know. I mean, I, I'll tell you this. Um, you know, as an avid fan and watcher and, and, and viewer of Illuminati Gallery, it's being built in real time in front of all of our faces. Um, we do appreciate, you know, of course, time constraints. I, I understand a bit on that too, but uh, just, just appreciate the work, man. Like, we appreciate the work, um, you know. Um, I think I speak for the entire, uh, you know, 2000 strong that, uh, you know, it's appreciated. So, you know, just let that fuel you, bro. Yeah, man, without it, I mean, I'd say, 
I, I'd say it wasn't the time constraint. It was more so my personal time management because my my um, my kind of work ethic in the past has not been the best because I'm low in I'm low in a psychology one of the big five psychology traits called conscientiousness, and conscientiousness can be seen in, for example, someone with high conscientiousness. If they're just kind of sitting in their room listening to music, they have this existential dread that they're not doing something that they should be doing. Like they have to be productive every single second. Th those are kind of one of the, the the natural five determinants of who you are. And I specifically have kind of low in conscientiousness, so I have to step up a bit more to try and do that. So my personal time management has been uh, adjusted for that. You know, I, I wouldn't really call it time constraint for me because a time constraint is like, oh, I have to post this by tomorrow. And if, if I'm telling myself that, then at that point, I'm losing the passion. And if, if, if I have to post every other day instead of every day in order to have a, a substitute and like real peace, then that's what I'm going to do. For example... Uh, this podcast is running later than I expected, but I absolutely love it because we're having a real conversation, you know, and because of that, um, I haven't reread over today's piece as much as I'd like to. So for today, I'm not going to be posting. So I'm going to have that for tomorrow instead. So, you know, I, I try and stay extremely comfortable and flexible on those time constraints because I know the gallery, like you said, it's building in real time, but the gallery already exists. It's about 160 strong. And we're really just going to keep building it continually, but I'm going to be patient on the pieces so I can have real substance. So it's not really the time constraints, it's more so my personal time management that has been extremely reined in and extremely trained over the past seven months. I get that, dude. I feel an obligation hey. to the audience. 100%. I mean, you know, that, that, that a lot of times, you know, we, we come and discover that is the fuel, like, you know, like we do, and that's why I say, you know, once we start to cultivate experiences and and, and exhibitions, uh, digitally, uh, in person, regardless, um, you know, seeing what what the audience, you know, what what, what they resonate with, uh, becomes extremely impactful to us as the people that bring it on. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I totally agree with you. Me, in terms of, you know, um allowing your audience base to you know takes take something from every piece you know um and and working diligently to always curate something um time in and having to have time management really makes sense so that you can consistently output what your audience uh, has come to know and love and expect you know yeah, I, people I, people love the cyberpunk genre so much man I mean, I'm a fan. People I'm, love I mean, it so players. much. Yeah. Like, I'm talking so much. <laughs> it's incredible. I don't think black people. That's the number one, though, yeah. <laughs> that, leads, that actually does lead me over to this next question. What is one thing that you noticed is particularly enticing about this field of work, and what would you want to share to your constituency about your day-to-day -day grind and ways for them to get involved, either directly with with us directly or in the event that they want to form their own galleries, programs, or other creative extensions? Oh, I absolutely love this question. So first off, I'm calling out every single art showcase page right now. Everyone, they go 
sometimes they don't even put credit for the for the post that they're making. Sometimes okay. First off, let's let's start let's start That's on bare quiet. bones. Let's start <laughs> on bare bones. How are you gonna repost something on as an art showcase page and not even put the title or the artist? Like that's absolute like like we're coming for your market share. Second off, the people who just repost title artist post, title artist post, title like I understand that aspect, but where's the substance? You know, we got the visual substance, but if you really want to add some more some more energy to the piece, if you really want to add your perspective, then share something with us. Have something so that your fans can engage a bit deeper instead of just reposting so fast. And they they really are speed running they're speed running followers and likes because they're mass posting and to them that's just their standard of content but my argument is that that standard of content is extremely weak and yes while you are amassing all those followers really fast they're not really engaging with your pieces on any deeper level so you're kind of just building a community that's just dependent on your reposting instead of the substance that you're adding to the pieces themselves but i th that's just that's just one thing um so particularly enticing about this field of work. So it's it's really the opportunity of pieces, digital art pieces, to be translated from one screen to another. I call that the portability of screens. So I think that's absolutely tremendous. You don't have a piece of work that's in the back room of a dusty museum where people cannot touch it so that they don't damage it. Instead, you have pieces which can be translated from your screen at home to your phone to your friend's laptop to your friend's TV and his entire living room you can display your pieces almost anywhere and it, it really is and pretty aesthetically pre pleasing with the with the immersiveness of screens and they they kind of just glow you know what I mean so <laughs> th that's been that's been tremendous and I think and then you combine that with the accessibility of the internet so it's kind of three things intersecting for me it's the the glowing and the immersive the the immersive aspect of screens that transacts with the portability of screens from being translated from one thing to another because it's just a file that's hosted, and then the third is really the accessibility of the internet as a whole because because you and I are talking right now even though we're literal like five miles away you know what I mean so it's like it's like it's like that's a portal that's like it's straight magic so. Those three together, the portability of screens, the immersiveness of screens, and the accessibility of the internet as a foundation is just, it's its creating something that we've, we've never seen before. That's thats incredibly enticing for me. I, I mean, when you bring in these enticing two or three, I mean, passions that, that we have, I mean, like to a high degree of passions that we have, and a lot of the community has spread to take place, um, it becomes, I get what you mean by every day. I mean, being enticed to not only uh, engage with that community more, but grow it and allow more people to, you know, um, interact with, you know, the, the vision that's foreseen, but help people, co uh, you know, kind of cultivate that, that the, the vision forward and, and, you know, bring their own passions and, and see yeah. how you can come up with greater things. I mean, I feel you, man. So, and and another piece I'll recommend. Uh, yeah, for real. And, and I wanted to answer that last bit of that question, which was how they can get involved. So 
contact us directly, you can contact us at apolloartexchange at gmail.com. You can contact us at the uh, Bridge the Gap. Uh, what's the handle for Bridge? bridge On uh, Instagram? B-R-I-I-D-G-E-T-H-E-G-A-P. Uh, bridge two eyes. Uh, two eyes represent two different people coming together. Uh, once once they come together, it just seems just one. Bridge the gap. All right. So it's at at bridge the gap for that, and then for the you can contact that if you'd like. You can contact the X Apollo Art, the at X Apollo Art on Instagram. You can contact us on Twitter, uh, Apollo Art. X H N G E, that's that's at at, or you can really, you can contact us on any of those platforms. We're also on TikTok. We're also on Pinterest. We're also on LinkedIn. So, uh, we're also on Tumblr. So if you need to like talk to us anywhere, we're really anywhere. So contact us on whatever your preferred platform is. BridgeTheGap.com. Uh, you can sign up um, through our uh, community portal, and at that point. Um, uh, clarify that you all wanted to come on uh, as uh, either a you know curator or collaborator in writing um, in the coming you know weeks and months like that that portal is going to stay open and you can you know make an account through bridge the gap and do it that way uh, as well but but for like anyone in the community they can just sign up right to, to kind of yeah, have like sure. a note as a member of the community no, 100%. Yeah. All right, all right. So, yeah, everyone, uh, go go to the Bridge the Gap website, sign up, because Apollo is, a small piece of Apollo is within Bridge completely. We have, we are completely collaborated one-to-one -one on everything that's happening in, in both of our worlds. So, the Apollo site is not up yet. Go sign up on Bridge the Gap right now and become a member of the community. There's going to be more stuff coming, and it's going to be absolutely tremendous. Again, coming soon, Crossroad, Community Crossroads. <laughs> we'll keep that on the hush until then, but uh, I'm excited for that, man. It's really about the, the local um, the local platforms, yeah. No, no, no. In the next few months, and then really into the next year, Apollo is in a big way incorporating the vision that has been increasingly evident throughout the digital platforms we've just on and bringing them to the in-person events with similar community integration and interaction. What are you most excited about in terms of bringing about art exhibitions and art-based experiences to our community um, over the next few months? Hmm. So first off, what you said about using the digital platforms we exist on, bringing them to in-person events with similar community. So I got you. So I'd say... I'd say first off, we're already on all social platforms, so you can already interact with the galleries that we're doing. But what you already see there is just the beginning. We're going to have in-person galleries where we're basically going to be showcasing local people in the community, but we're also going to be showcasing people in the NFT digital art world because I think people need to be familiar with with what's happening within the world of crypto art because it's, it's increasingly evident in the art market as a whole, and there's so many different ways to get involved on that. So I think what I'm most excited about is giving local people a platform and then introducing them the, introducing them to this larger world that they can get involved in and get their retail on the Ethereum blockchain early so that they can really if if they're an artist by if they're an artist just by hobby 
and they, they wish they could take it full-time, the Ethereum blockchain allows you to take it full-time in crypto art as a whole. And that that's extremely underrated. And I think w what I'm most excited for is the education on that front. I'm excited about that as well, man. Because, I mean, we, we talk about, I mean, we've done, I think, uh, I say dozens of conversations, we've had conversations, dozens of conversations regarding NFT and, you know, the education, you know, I think you can say NFT, you know, three out of 10 people in a, in a given room may know about it, but, you know, we're, a lot of people aren't even, you know, it's kind of going over their heads is that when they log onto Apollo page, you're looking at dozens and dozens of NFTs in front of you. And, you know, um, you know, whether it's stated or not, on the actual description of the pieces, uh, you know, people really just, they fall in love with the look. They not, not even understand that it's a non-fungible token. But I think, you know, especially with the in-person gatherings that we're going to be able to, you know, put on, uh, that education of NFTs when they're looking at NFTs in real time in a digital frame, but also able to be, you know, informed on what they're really looking at and, and the technology behind it. Uh, it allows for, you know, multiple avenues of not only education to go, to take place. I mean, you're looking at new pieces, you know, that's going to provoke new thoughts and, and new ideas based on just looking at the pieces, but then understanding, getting a better understanding, um, a more in-depth um, look at this technology that is really going to change, you know, what our world looks like here in the next five years in a big way. Um, I think it's essential to kind of start already educating people on that. Yeah, and, man. Uh, I'm excited. So, that, so much. I think it ties in with uh, coding carnivals directly because blockchains and coding go hand in hand. So I think I think it's incredibly, incredibly important. And with what you're talking about, about people liking the pieces and not knowing that they're NFTs, that's what I call the Trojan horse. So Trojan horse indeed. In a continuation of the last thoughts, I want to ask you, you know, what do you see as the Apollo 2.0, if you will? Not even time frame or anything, but what do you envision 2.0 looking like? You know, not to say that we're constrained within the next six months to, you know, move into 2.0, but what what does that look like? Gotcha. So I'd, I'd already, I'd argue that uh, we've already started the transition to Apollo 2.0. So Apollo 1.0 can really be seen as creating a gallery, kind of solidifying the message of what we're here to do, which is to write on these pieces and to connect with the audience further and to facilitate more exchange. So I think it's really been that first and foremost. And let's see. So the real transition, so we already have the foot in the door. So what I mean by that is building infrastructure on the Ethereum blockchain directly. I, I am interested in Tezos. I am interested in Solana. Like I love those blockchains, don't get me wrong. I do have investments in there, but it's really just, it's it's the convenience and the so sheer scale of the Ethereum blockchain and the amount of virtual real estate, if you will, that I already have in the early ecosystem of Ethereum itself. Because right now I already own close to 40 pieces I own 40 pieces on the Ethereum blockchain, and I have, uh, I believe it's, I believe it's, 
13 Apollo Community Tokens live right now. So those are all on Ethereum. And so we already have the infrastructure. I have I have a specific uh, token gallery that's on the Ethereum blockchain directly that can be viewed separate from Rarible, separate from OpenSea, and that's called Serene Sanctuary. Uh, you can view that on Rarible or OpenSea, but it, it sits on the Ethereum blockchain itself. And it's really about, it's starting to build the infrastructure on the Ethereum blockchain directly through the JavaScript and Solidity programming language. And so once we start, once we start connecting MetaMask wallets, once we start building the infrastructure to really get the foot in the door and connect the two worlds, then we're going to continue to do that. Because Apollo 1.0, we're already working to connect the world because I'm uploading the digital art history. I'm uploading the physical art history of the past and the mythological, the, the, the cultural relevancy of the past into the increasingly relevant digital future. So I'm uploading from the physical to the digital when it comes to writing and art. But what's what really needs to happen is our continued architecture and our continued construction of frameworks and foundations on the Ethereum blockchain for Apollo Art Exchange and Bridge the Gap to both execute exactly what they need to do directly on this Web 3.0 platforms. Mm. I think that goes hand in hand with coding carnivals, by the way. I agree with you. I mean, I, they, 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 they really are tethered in the same um, general um, mission idea of really just wanting to grow the collective um, knowledge base in these fields. I mean, and they, they're both particularly computer science based fields, but um, un allowing people to understand the applications um, of both coding, of both, you know, NFTs. Of, I mean, NFTs are really baked in with a lot of different functionality, uh, a lot of different application of what you can and uh, what you can do functionally. But what, what, I mean, you think of like what the scale of NFTs is going to look like in five years, ten years. I mean, the applications are to a degree endless. So, you know, and, and with coding, I mean, definitely endless applications and we don't even know what the future of coding is going to look like you know even 20 years from now but um we know for a fact it'll be a thing and it'll be you know it exists so it's definitely just um trying to grow that collective uh, community and um you know education based knowledge base of everyone involved without a doubt uh, it's really just yeah. about it's it's about that education and just keep doing it because we're not going to force kids to learn coding you know it's going to be their own choice so it's going to be it's going to be tremendous but we're just talking about any it, for, for blockchain specifically blockchains work on on javascript mainly and then if we're talking ethereum it uses uh solidity which is a little little bit higher than uh, javascript but they're very similar and so we're talking about any students that kind of go down that platform we can give them the opportunity of, of you know, if you're kind of looking at their skill tree, you know, what, you know, their path in the in the coding carnival curriculum, then they're essentially they can, they can have a choice where they can once they become comfortable with JavaScript, they can learn Solidity, or they can take their JavaScript and use it on on a a blockchain outside of Ethereum. So we can really give them the option if they want to take that route. And become a blockchain developer because those are so high in demand. It, it's not even funny at the moment. <laughs> For real, I mean, 
or if if you're in the know, then you definitely know uh, where that we're that this is where we're heading. I mean, this is what the fu- you know the future um, is being built every day. You know, especially when when we're focused and locked in on these kinds of of fields and these and you know, especially when there's a passion to what we're what we're learning every day. It's like, I mean, it's it's, it's very easy and clear to see that. This is where we're headed. This is where he like simply like, and not, not only American but like the entire world like, this is the technologies and the the frameworks and what's gonna run, uh, our future. And so when I say like we want to fuel the future, I mean, like by any sense of the word, we mean that. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's important. It's, it it really is. I could not agree more. Uh, I think I think this has been a tremendous episode. That we, we covered so many bases, and I think this really sets the tone for what this state of the scene series is really going to be about. No, I'm 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 you know so excited to you know continue to come on and continue to uh, have conversations like this. This was very fun, um, and I'm excited to see what what the community thinks of you know this combo. So how often do you think uh, it'll be appropriate to do these? Do you want to do these uh, once every few months? Do you kind of just want to keep it open? You just do it, do it whenever things evolve? Well, what are you thinking? Um, really a mix of both of those just because, you know, um, we've we've tried it doing numerous um, or a, a, at least a few other um, podcasts, but things change at such, at such a rapid rate, especially in both of these industries like regarding this entire industry so um you know it's always going back to the drawing board and and and, you know times you know uh, rapid rapid advancements happen in there every day but you really look at it like uh you know i I think i think it's we'll really just know when it's time so um i'd say it's safe to say at least once maybe twice a month but from from there, I mean, maybe we could. I could see a time where we're doing this at a daily rate because there's so many, you know, rapid advancements taking place all the time. So, you know, uh, just getting a feel for it, seeing what the community uh, takes from it, really enjoys from it. But I definitely love this conversation flow and look forward to doing it again. Yeah, man, I could not agree more. I think I think what we can at least promise the viewers is that we'll host we'll host the new state of the scene whenever there's a major transition or a milestone that we're, we're moving up on or a big event that we're, that we're really about to, to, to kind of execute on. So I think we can at least promise that, but we just got to really see how the community responds to that. So I think, I think that'll be really interesting. I agree. Can't, can't agree more. Thank you for having me on, man. Um, you know, um, everyone check out www.bridgetheweb.com. Mike and I are diligently working and, you know, we're thankful for everyone that tuned in and is uh, here along for the ride. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, without a doubt. I'm going to plug all of the socials, the relevant socials, the website, the link trees, everything. It's going to be in the description of this podcast. It's also going to be in the description of the YouTube, anything that you need to find it on. And this has been a tremendous episode. I hope everyone has a productive and a positive, positive day and we'll see y'all next time. Catch y'all next time. Have a good one, Mike. Bye. Wow, you made it to the end of today's episode. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about crypto, NFTs, blockchains, or anything related to art, come hop on the Discord. We'd love to have you.
Apollo Art Exchange is a digital art collective seeking to empower and elevate artists across all cultures within the visual metaverse through the use of writing, community, and multi-platform posting. If you'd like to get involved as a community member, please consider checking out our Apollo community tokens to support our work directly and get a chance at your own personal showcases. With that being said, here's a reminder to take it day by day, and we'll see you all next time.